<laughs> yeah, exactly. We couldn't just like be three white guys and just straight on go for the super potential something. Here's why you should listen to us talk about Carl Jung. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. gosh. <laughs> Ugh. I'm Nicholas Cole. I'm a character designer and illustrator living in Vancouver, Canada. I'm Max Ulichny, and I'm an illustrator and character designer based in Los Angeles. And I am James Castillo, a freelance character designer and director living in London, UK. We are the host of Negative Space, a podcast about what surrounds the lives of artists in the entertainment industry. Welcome to our fourth episode, in which we discuss our expectations coming into the industry. I know we've all had very different experiences coming into the industry. We all mm. probably came with different expectations of what we would find once we entered through the big golden doors of the industry. Um, right. Some of us got through the back door of the trash, but <laughs> it still counts. We're really doubling down on the metaphors this, this episode, huh? Is this yeah. just going to yeah. be like yeah. an all-metaphor episode? I'm down. Um, I mean. But what... Um, could we be very briefly sort of just maybe introduce what was our first, not necessarily paid job by a random person, but like the first sort of industry contract in a way that we ever signed? Like, what, what is, what's your experience, guys? Um, I guess I can start. Um, I think I had a really unusual <laughs> entry into the industry. Um, I've mentioned a little bit of my past in previous podcast but the the I, I when i came out to la i um i came out intentionally to find work in uh commercial vfx most likely uh possibly film i was open to both um but i was coming from um ad agency stuff so i was looking so i thought it would be most natural and easiest to get into commercial work um because it's just like it, it's easier to get interviews it's easier to uh but it just felt like a natural extension of my experience. So that's kind of what I was aiming for. And I had some contacts that were going to help me um, find interviews. And so um, I actually took a staff job for 15 years almost. Um, so it's a very unusual uh, career experience compared to most people. I think most people of our skill set or what we do is are freelance for at least a large portion of the career. Uh, and I'm, I'm, you know, freelance now to an extent. Um, so I, you know, I think coming into that, my, my relationship with that studio changed quite a bit, of course, over 15 years, as you would expect. Um, so I don't know how, how general my experience of, of the industry is. And of course, um, you know, I, 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 I'm freelance and now I'm doing a bit of studio work and a bit of publishing and a whole host of other things. So um, I don't know if I'm the best person to, to kind of start this off. So I guess maybe I'd, I'd ask. No, but, uh, but it's I know. think it's interesting what you're saying because I, and, and I like how you phrased it as in like, I was, I came to LA expecting this and I ended up getting this job and you yeah. had it for well, 15 the, years. So I guess for yeah. some degree it must have been fulfilling. In a, in a big way. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, you don't stay at a place for 15 years without it being, right. without it filling some kind of need in mm. your life. Right. Mm. And I think, um, and of course my expectation to, to answer the question very specifically was not to stay at anywhere for 15 years. That was not what I was planning for my career to be. I, when I first 
joined A52 and Elastic, their sister company. So if you hear me interchanging, that's why. Um, I was uh, thinking it would be a freelance gig just to get started and then, you know, jump around town. Um, and I was a third person. Oh, so just to be really clear, I, I started as a CG artist um, because that seemed like a way to make money. It was also what I'd been training on. And I always was an illustrator. I always was interested in concept art and, and animation and stuff. But it, I found myself being useful in this. And I was pursuing CG work. It wasn't like a compromise. Um, but I was always of two minds. And then over time, um, the realities. So I was a third person in the CG department. And it was like a tiny little place. And I got a lot of room to, like a sheltered room to grow. And a lot of, I had like a great mentor who joined shortly after me. Um, and the place was great. It was a really nice um, family of sorts. And, and I really kind of needed that. And I think also that comfort came with um, a lot of benefits because I was able to explore different aspects of my creative life um, with a lot of help and a lot of generosity from the people who were um, grooming me for, for management and for directing and everything else. Um, so my experience is really varied. Um, so even though I was there for 15 years, it didn't feel like the same job for 15 years, which I was really happy about. You know, the time came to leave and uh, my, my love of illustration and concept art and character design became bigger uh, uh, over time. And that's what I've left to do hmm. since. And so now I'm, I feel like a, a, a babe in the woods trying to like make my way and I'm catching up late in my career, frankly. So like the expectations thing is like, I'm kind of starting over. I'm paying new dues. Hmm. Um, like, like a recent grad might be kind of, you know, like I've got more name recognition, I guess I've got a lot more career experience to draw from. Um, I've got production experience that's helped me, you know, that's informed my character design. So it's not like I'm starting from scratch, certainly, but you know, well, there are a lot of places in my life where I'm like, I, I definitely feel my inexperience and some naivety compared to someone else who's 39, like I am. It's kind of a weird position to be in, to be like late in one career and very early in another. It's odd. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that would be very disorienting in some ways. Like to, to, have you found that like the, how much has mapped over from your previous experience? such that you don't have to pay some of those dues or are you really like starting from scratch? You think? I mean, I think I'm jumping in, um, fairly confidently, I guess. I don't feel like I'm fighting for scraps or anything like that necessarily, but I, I definitely don't have like a, a deep bench of recruiters to talk to and all this stuff. But I, you know, I think people think that I'm more established than I am because of my social media presence. <laughs> it's kind of a <laughs> funny place to be in. And I, and I think, you know, it gets confused for a resume these days, uh, social media, uh, success does. And it's like, that's not true. You know, a lot of people are very successful online who, you know, uh, it just doesn't match their, their career experience necessarily. And I'm not, that's not to say that I'm have, like struggling in my career or anything, but it's not, uh, it doesn't map hundred percent for anybody really, you know? So it's just, it's kind of a funny, I think I got a pass into the industry because I was working hard and, and managing, um, my character design is like a side gig for me and putting that on social media. And that kind of got me a way in without me starting from scratch. So I was kind of like ramping that up over the last bunch of years. Hmm. What about you, Nick? What's your experience uh, going like just going out of school and into the first job? 
Well, I had a very like linear one and I don't know, like the more I learn about the stories of my friends on like Max, like just knowing the path that you've had here, I'm not sure if there is like a, a true, like normal. Um, I think that there is an idea of something that's sort of direct that we all think of as normal maybe. And I think I kind of had something more close to that, um, but I'm not sure that that's like actually like, like that it maps to everybody's experience um, at all these days because there's so many ways in and so many different like kind of odd routes you can take to kind of arrive um, someplace where this is like paying the bills and and I think the definition of like when you're in versus you know out has changed a lot since. But anyways, my my own like experience was like I went to art school, I studied illustration, I knew what I wanted to be trying to do, and then. I kind of, I landed a gig at 38 Studios, which was a video game company that was hiring in the kind of Massachusetts East Coast region at the time. And that's where I kind of cut my teeth. Um, and it's a whole complicated story. And I don't know if we want to like really get into the details on that because it's, it's, you know, it's a mess, but it definitely like taught me a ton really fast. And some of the things I learned, I was like, yeah, I don't, I think I'm going to freelance. <laughs> Like I think, I think maybe uh, stepping back from certain aspects of this would be healthiest for me. Well, can I ask a question? Yeah. So I I moved to LA to find work. So hmm. I I was choosing the city as a pool of, you know, for the industry and for everything else. And especially at the time, by the way, the VFX industry was in LA. So hmm. it was a very centralized thing. Now it's kind of spread out, but um, that was a very conscious choice. It was like I had my best chances of finding work as a recent grad here. Um, but you said you found work locally. Was that the plan or did you have any like ambitions to move elsewhere? Like, cause I know like video games and things are a little bit more decentralized or there's like little hubs all over the place. They, they seem to be a little bit more, you know, but my ambitions were never like directly for video games. Video games was just an industry that was booming at the time that I was hired. Um, and when I freelanced, like the first thing I wound up doing was like publishing work. You know, I really wanted to do. Right you know, comics. So I tried that out and I, I really, you know, enjoyed doing some of that early children's book work. So, and that kind of does have a really big East coast presence out of New York. Um, so comics and publishing being on my radar, the East coast wasn't like ruled out from an early stage, but I guess I always felt like California felt inevitable. You know, it was like, there was eventually, I always told myself like, Oh, eventually I'll move to California. Um, I'll have to, you know, and, and I didn't want to, and I still kind of don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, actually, I mean, straight up, I, I, I still don't, <laughs> uh, especially with like wildfires and earthquakes being what they are lately. But, um, I took a number of trips out West early on to try and get acclimated to the idea that like, okay, maybe I'm pretty sure my career is going to take me here. In the abstract, I'm not attracted to this part of the world. Um, you know, can I can I find something about it that draws me towards it that's not just the job? Because it's never been, it's never felt like enough to me to like uproot my life and move completely just for the job. Um, right. I've always felt like the job has to be really good <laughs> to get me to to do something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, so I've been, you know, I always have in the back of my mind, like, oh, I could move, I might move, but at this point I, I, I would only want to move if I felt like I was moving towards something that I really, really, really wanted. That was really cool. Um, yeah. well, it certainly hasn't held you back. It was more just like a, 
it's, it's a fascinating idea because like California always felt kind of inevitable to me too, but I really like it here. You know, like I feel at home in California. Um, and it's just, it's a funny, and I, I, I'm always fascinated by people who have made their way and kind of forced the industry to adapt to them. And, 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 <laughs> and they're, cause I, you know, and I think we're going to see a lot more of that now mm-hmm. thanks to work from home and COVID and not to get up, you know, too far down that road. But I think it's, it'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. yeah. what other, what choices other people make in the future around that space. Yeah. I think at the time that I started to, to do that, it wasn't a thing. Um, for the most part, like it was, it was much more renegade back then in a way. (laughs) Something the industry was just like, just starting to like get their head around. I guess I was asking once I, once I had 38 studios was, was offered, you know, pretty easily. It was through my school. I got connections to the people who worked there. But once I moved on from that and I was looking for the next thing, I established roots on the East Coast and friends and family and um, just a community there that I cared about. And I didn't want to move, you know, so I was having these conversations with California-based studios and we would have a great conversation and then we'd get to the point where (laughs) I was like, so, yeah, are you comfortable with like this being something that I do remotely or, and they'd be like, what? (laughs) Whoa, no. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, that's too bad. And there were a few conversations where maybe in a different time or a a different person in my position would have like leapt on it and just said, okay, I'll move then. And I just kind of didn't. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I don't, you know, I think just the impulse not to, to be pushed around was really strong, uh, already (laughs) for me. Uh, It was like, I don't know. I think I'm just really stubborn. I think that's kind of what it comes down to, you know? (laughs) No, but I think there's a value to, to knowing that, not everything is about working life. And I think that it seems like there was something there that you were willing to sort of hold hold back a little bit and, and say, I'm not willing to pay the ultimate price of letting everything go. Mm-hmm. Let all my fam- like relationships and friendships and family to just to go and work in a studio in a place where I don't know anyone. I guess like that's that's something I, I think is something that sometimes it's not necessarily frowned upon, but it's kind of like assumed that everybody should be willing to let everything go. Just for a job, and yeah. I think is it's important that that we sort of have examples of people like you that say like, well, I'm gonna try to make it work. Um, mm. And definitely, there's something that coming from Europe, you see a lot. There's there's mm. a lot of that struggle of a lot of people that fell that have been left behind because they they didn't take the the opportunity to go into the U.S. or to go to Canada or to do a, a big jump because mm. they wanted, you know, they didn't want to leave everything they know behind. And they've mm-hmm. made it work. We were talking just a few minutes ago, Max, about Cartoon Saloon. That's a great example. Yeah. There's a mm-hmm. guys that made it made it work in Kilkenny. Kilkenny is like <laughs> the tiniest, tiniest town mm-hmm. next to the tiniest European capital. Like it's it's a speck of dust in in Europe, and they are you know it's taken them twenty years, but they are making something very special there. And creating that, their own like, gravity with great work. You know, yeah. you can pull yeah. in talent. You, like LA wasn't always this; it became that. You know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. to the extent that any place becomes a hub for talent, it has to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, at some point, it's just a warehouse and a soundstage or whatever it is, and then you build up the people around it, and you become, you know, like New Zealand before Weta. Yeah, so true. How many VFX artists were yeah. living there? Like, there's just a lot of examples of you can create yeah. a market, you can create a hub for people yeah. if you match them. And give them something and give them fulfillment creatively and everything else. 
Mm. Yeah, something that is very exciting now in Madrid is that because of um, Spy Studios and the production of Klaus, there's all yeah. of a sudden there's mm. a surplus mm. of talent in Madrid that has oh never gosh, been there. Yeah. So yeah. all of a sudden there's animators and designers and layout artists and all sorts of like amazing talent that want to stay because, you know, Madrid is great. So they just want to stay there. It's just like, yeah. so they are making it, that trying. So now it's the time where like, industry now with, well, I don't want to get too much into geopolitics, but with Brexit and all that stuff, <laughs> there's a lot of yeah. companies looking at Spain and well, Paris and Madrid as like, these places have enough of a talent pool and it will be like, they are going to go to waste if there's mm. not a studios to keep them in there. Mm. So that's sort of like, you need that synergy between talent and companies, right? And money makers to, mm. to make yeah. it work. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. it just end, it ends up becoming very decentralized. Mm. But... It's funny because my coming into the industry was much more, I guess, erratic from yours, guys. Because I didn't come, I didn't go to school. I didn't go to uni or anything. And I, I, at one point when I was 21, I kind of realized that I wanted to go more into animation because of some sort of, you know, my uncle was pressuring me to to find an industry to work on rather than just being a, uh, a draftsman that can just kind of like bounce around. It's like find an umbrella that can cover you a little bit more. And that's sort of where animation came in. And then I spent kind of two years taking some animation classes and then I went to Singapore. And while I was in Singapore studying, I got approached by this um, entrepreneur guy that, you know, this is just as mobile games were sort of starting to become <laughs> like very big money makers. And this big entrepreneur guy came in and, and he was the first person to ever offer me a decent salary for just drawing stuff. So I was like over the moon. So I came in as like the art director to develop this pitch for this game. Um, I was there for, I was in Singapore for another year doing this. Ended up getting nowhere for, you know, that's a, a too long of a story to tell. But it came through and then I moved to Barcelona and I started working. I kept working in, mo in mobile games. So mobile games was like my in into hmm. the first, what I consider to be my first step into, you know, it wasn't about making an industry in the industry. It was about being able to gain independence through drawing. And hmm. I always felt that imposter syndrome because I don't have sort of like a, an education. And I, and, and, and at that point is just as CTM, CTN started becoming more known and, and it, it became sort of very appealing, the idea of going there and, and stuff, and I, I, I started to hear all these stories about you know kids that go to Calars and and um, you know um, what is the New York um, the School of Visual Arts mm -hmm. and all these other ones, and I was like, there's no way I can compete with any of these kids. So it was a little bit <laughs> trying to get in was very demoralizing from the perspective of someone that doesn't have or that didn't have access to those institutions. Which That's I think funny, is probably I, I feel similar things even living in LA. Actually. Yeah, I think it's probably. <laughs> but like in the a sense, you were already most, in, right? I mean, you well, were I mean, I yeah, that's the thing. That was my first in. That was my first check out of the box. It's like I'm paying my rent. I don't have to ask anybody for money. I'm making a living. I'm and this is I'm saving money. This is amazing. Mm. That was my mm. first sort of success to me. Like to me, and also is what validated everybody's doubts in my family about where I could make a living out of this um, that helped out. So having, going to, you know, the 
it's in, in a way I I never I starting in I didn't have any big expectations. The expectations started building in as I started to get more sort of aggressive in my workspace, like more hungry for better projects. Um, mm. That's where the um, where the expectations started to grow. But the first one was mm. like I I managed to get two years, like from twenty what three to twenty five. I I had paid rent, I could save money, and I was being paid to draw. And I could spend money on schoolism or going to CTN or, you know, I started investing on myself a little bit. I, I started to sort of gather as much as I could to to fill that hole that was opened by the imposter syndrome in my heart. Um, and that's sort of what then kickstarted going more into the industry. Interesting. So your expectations grew like it seems like you found the industry really naturally and we're like totally content to just like make money and then you started to realize that there was this bigger world out there and that began to create like a kind of a would you say like a motivating dissatisfaction yeah i think in my case i i had come from from a bit of a you know sort of low middle class background so the idea of the risk on anybody's eyes of like what I, I could make a living out of this was already pretty slim. Hmm. So to me, the fact that I, I had disposable income was already a triumph. But then again, you know, it's not that allowed me to study more and to get more sort of engage with the community in a much more, I don't know how to say it, like I guess in a much more competitive way. Hmm. And 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 it started to be. Oh, I started realizing also like what you know there are within jobs there are good jobs and bad jobs, right? And and I realized like what I was doing wasn't satisfying. You know, what I was doing. You know, not nothing wrong with the games like mobile games, but it just it never felt fulfilling. And I was clashing a lot with the people in the company because I I wanted to. I wanted this to be a, an exploration into what a video game could be. I didn't want it to keep doing this formula of like mm -hmm. how to make games. And, and I know, Nick, you can relate to this. <laughs> yeah. Um, Big time. And so two years in, I tried going to the U.S. and stay in the U.S. Couldn't um, because visas. And mm. um, But my sister was living in London at that time. And so I said, well... That's always an option because I speak the language and I have my sister is there. So I have a house to stay for the first month while I look for. Um, so I, I just kind of packed all my stuff um, and I went from literally I took a flight from Barcelona to L.A. And then I did a little tour and then I flew directly to London. Um, and I've been here since. And the idea was London is the closest you can get in Europe to the film industry. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and there's a very healthy commercial house industry going on here. So and a lot of appreciation for animation. Yeah, a, absolutely. Uh, I, I think even within commercials, we always used to look to London going, man, I wish we could do some of what I wish we could, you know, bid on some of those jobs because they would often go to, you know, there's like annual like appointment viewing commercials almost, you know, I mean, there's just mm -hmm. an appreciation for animation of VFX in London that just isn't quite present in American marketing and, and 
advertising, which is disappointing. You know, the, that appetite comes and goes here quite a bit. Right. And, uh, and it seems to be pretty healthy there, or at least healthier for the kinds of jobs that we yeah. wanted at Elastic, which, you know, we had a lot of envy for like the studio, AKA and type studios and passion. And yeah. Everything this, else, that's know? the thing Like once I came in and I, I happened to had met a guy through my traveling that lived in the UK. So he introduced me to the, to what, who were the studios that you could contact. And I literally printed my portfolio and I went door to door and I just <laughs> gave them away. Um, like a little, like a little boy with the newspaper trail. Same thing. I recently just found my portfolio because uh, I moved a couple years ago and I, I refound my my reel that I came out to LA with. Hmm. It was on VHS and and I had like a, like a binder. Whoa! So it, it, I, that was because of bad advice. I'm not quite that old, <laughs> but the uh, but I, I was told this was 2004, and my animation teacher. Um, he retired a few years after. And so like, I think he, you know, they were like, you got to go out to, to LA with VHS. Cause not everybody has DVDs. And by the way, we were only a few years into DVDs back in 2004. If you remember, I mean, it wasn't that <laughs> far into it anyway. So I, so I had all these like dubs made. I had boxes and boxes of VHS. It's so easy to like, to, you know, to send your work to people now, but you, Anyway, so I, I landed <laughs> in LA with like boxes of VHS tapes, like an idiot. And uh, in, in my interview with, with Elastic, I, I brought my portfolio. And it's one thing to flip through a portfolio. That's easy. That's cool. You know, that, that's, you can't go wrong there. That's fine. But a VHS, I was like, here's my reel. And they held it in their hands like, <laughs> what the hell do we do with this? <laughs> you know? And this is in a post house with every kind of video equipment you could ever hope for. And they're like, all right, we got to like wheel in an NTSC monitor with, you know, with, <laughs> like with, it's with, movie with day like class decks and shit. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, basically ridiculous. And so they're like, okay, let's watch this. And there's like static and all this garbage. I, I felt like such a tool. Oh. I was like, oh God, this is not going to work. And then I ended up working there for 15 years. <laughs> so, so <laughs> That's it awesome. out, but that. it was still like an absolutely ridiculous. It must have been um, an amazing demo reel. Oh my god, dude! I am so embarrassed by that reel. You know, there's like okay stuff in it, but it's just it. You know, yeah. I'm amazed I got work with this thing. <laughs> so I'm curious. It sounds like we actually I didn't know how different our paths all were until we started talking about this. But we actually have very distinct. Even though we've landed in some relatively similar places, um, we came in very different ways. And so I wonder, like, what or how did like when those expectations come in, you know, when you start to envision the industry, like, I feel like they must have come in differently for each of us then, right? Like, I think I got it from classmates and teachers and the sort of black box of like, I understand academia, but like someday somewhere out there, there's all these like successful artists, art books, you know, special features, whatever. And I couldn't draw that line between the two of us there. Was that different for you guys? Go ahead, James. Oh, well, can you develop a little bit more? I don't know. So, so you said, where does the the sort of expectations of what your envision your career to be come from? You mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, since we're talking about like what we thought the industry itself would be like, I think maybe mm -hmm. not even like what you thought right. your career would be, which is kind of another question uh, entirely. Okay. But like, what what it was you were heading towards, or what it was going to be like when you got there. Um, for well, me, it I was, you know, it came out of school, but it sounds like that's mm -hmm. not necessarily the way we each kind of arrived. 
No, I think like my expectations to what it was to work in industry came very much or were formed when I was in the industry. Um, you know, there's there's that that you know when when you mm. when you don't have. I think that's the hardest thing for someone that sort of is coming is kind of trying to find its way into the back door. Is that once you get in, you you don't have that all that reinforcement that I think people that go to school have. Like you know, how mm. do you? It could just be something as simple as how do you actually present your work to a client sort of thing mm -hmm. or what's exactly your role. Um, you know, I didn't even, I remember like I put on my Instagram account that I was a vis dev artist and I didn't even know that it meant visual development <laughs> artist. It was just because I saw all the other people that I follow that did the stuff that I did had that. So it's that level of like, I just, you know, it's just not knowing really how things are structured within the industry. Mm. Sort of so, fake it till you make it. Yeah. yeah, kind of. And then you go there and then you start realizing slowly what your job is. And I think it was more, again, I think the people that you meet through through the, you know, through the journey that start like it was sort of mimicking. So seeing all the people that were with me in the in the in the games company that I was working, some of them had had a long career in animation in Spain through the 80s and the 90s that now just they wanted to stay in Spain and now they are working doing mobile games. But they had an appreciation for the work and they had the books and they had the, you know, even the, the most simple concept for a runner game, a collector's own game, can have a lot of thought behind it. And, you you know, it's all about how much you, you want to put into it. And that started sort of made the gears turn and, and, it started, and I started to get very hooked on the idea of like, oh, you know, these people that are making movies... Like, you know, when you see the, the, the making ofs and you see these interviews and you see the talks and stuff, it's, oh, the decisions that they're making are story-based. And that felt very attractive to me because I had a very hard time just making every decision based on games mechanics. <laughs> I had a very hard time just having to design based on function. Like, yeah. this character cannot have a, I don't know, a... A scarf because he's going to be jumping around and we need to see his face or he cannot have a specific type <laughs> of clothing or we need to see you know that all that sort of game design mentality i just had a very hard time dealing with that because i didn't yeah. i was always asking the question but yeah but why but why what's the motivation behind <laughs> him wanting to collect so many coins and and it's just in in that sort of, i started realizing that <laughs> consumerism yeah. he's, that, a, that he's a big capitalist very fan yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's They're that, all bitcoins that and actually the character just <laughs> <laughs> and sort of and i think i started to become annoying to the all the other people in the studio because i was kind of I, I i could they could tell that i was frustrated um and i'm, I'm a very bad liar so <laughs> eventually it just it sort of developed into okay if, if i want to do it if i want to go that route <laughs> Even if I can't go to the US, I need to make the first step. So, hmm. you know, came to the UK. So it was like, I have to go somewhere where they'll tolerate me, is basically mm. what Yeah, I'm. it's basically, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a diva. And uh, yeah, this is the price of having my art. But it's, it came, it just basically came like, and then it's, it's slowly, but that's the thing. Then it very, I was very comfortable with doing smaller steps one after the other. I think there's this conception sometimes that, People want to go and get the biggest fish right out of school, um, and I and you know to to some degree I always thought that that, that was the only way in, but yeah. then what that 
does is that you you kind of lose perspective that there is an inse- like an immense amount of range between the lowest possible type of industry job and like those gigantic gigantic clients in the US. There is all sorts of stuff in the middle. And, mm, and that so really I, resonates with me actually. Yeah, me too. And I just yeah. I feel very comfortable with the idea of like, well, you know what? I'm just I'm gonna become very good at playing in this in this middle middle point. Yeah. And I started becoming very close with some of the companies here in the UK that are doing commercials. So there's Passion Pictures and Nexus and Blinking. And mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a handful of them. And so I started playing the rounds and I started like always saying yes to all the jobs, always being helpful, always trying to be around the industry. And that's something that I think is very important to tell as well. Is the And this is something that you cannot do with COVID. And I think is for me, is my biggest um, thing against it is that I owe so much to the face-to-face encounters, being yeah. able to meet people and be in the place and initiate a conversation and create a relationship with that person in that space. Mm. Um, I so owe, you're saying like, you're anti-COVID. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that, that's I, a dangerous take. Yeah, James. I want to get rid of it. That's why I want to get rid of it. But it's... That, that is important. And so I played that round. And then eventually it kind of went to a point where like, well, I keep getting better jobs. I keep getting better jobs. I keep getting more responsibility. And then I'm now, I'm ambition in a way because the, the fights were smaller and I could always go one step higher. Um, that sort of has built now the, the sort of, I guess, a, a much more, in a way, realistic and, and constructed um, expectation and ambition in a way. Um, just because I've got a series of like victories to my to my record that I feel confident that I could get f- way further. Or as I think sometimes people want to fight the, the final boss right away. And <laughs> when they can't do it, when they can't defeat it, they 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 just get too too destroyed and they can pick up pick themselves up. Yeah. Yeah, there's kind of an absolutism. Right when you're that young mm-hmm. artist, kind of looking in and thinking, like, you just kind of get the brands that you're presented with these huge studios, these mm-hmm. like you know movies that you're raised on, or comics that wind up you know uh, succeeding to the top of the pack, and those are the, that's the reason you're seeing them and stuff like that. And so yeah. it's like all why would you know with. all the independent small animation studios? Mm. You know, it, like it's just there's no reason you should have awareness of them because they're just not on your radar. You know, because like commercials are background noise to a certain point in your mm. life. You know, film is like I because I, I applied to like Disney and film places and, and like Rhythm and Hughes and, and Digital Domain and things uh, for the CG side of things as I was coming out here. And then I realized I was like, oh, it, commercials just feel like a natural place for me because because of my life experience, but also because it's accessible and I can have a bigger impact on the work. Coming from agency work, I was often doing like you know, working on logo design and, and like, I still have graphics on tire sidewalls for Goodyear and stuff. Like (laughs) I I grew up in Akron and I was doing advertising there. And so I have like, I have my fingerprint on mainstream Goodyear tire ads and things. Um, (laughs) and so, you know, like, but, and that was me as a teenager. Um, so it told me that, oh, I can have a bigger impact, like an outsized impact for my age. If I go to the stuff that is sized correctly for me. And so <clears throat> I was getting turned down by, you know, all these studios 
Um, not because my work was terrible, but because it was just like, they weren't hiring and it was kind of chance. Cause they're only like hiring for so many gigs a year. Right. You know, if you're like applying to animation stuff, hmm. they're not just constantly churning people in hmm. They're you know, they have a few projects a year that they staff up for. And so it's like, there's, there's chance there's all this, but also I was aiming too high for my skills, I think <laughs> in a lot of ways. And I didn't really have a great understanding of the industry. And so I came at commercials because it was accessible I could hone my skills. I could be useful to a studio. And I think a lot of people overlook whether it's, you know, just smaller studios. Like for me, commercials was a right fit. Could be games, could be mobile games, could be, you know, there's a handful of ways to solve that problem. But I think it's a great place to learn how to work in a team, you know, figure out the dynamics of a studio. And then as you're there, develop your taste and get an understanding for industries beyond that and like understand what else is out there and maybe that would be a better fit for you and so over time you know that was i you know i gained an appreciation for being able to like really run things run jobs well at my studio and i enjoyed that but i I wanted to ask you guys i have a my relationship obviously changed over 15 years um and i was fascinated because i went through a few phases where it was fun like you mentioned james i really enjoyed being um, kind of just satisfied for a few years. Oh, I get to work. This is fun. I get to like not question things too hard. I'm doing cool work and I'm proud of it. Hmm. And then a few years after that, you're like asking questions. Why can't this be better? Hmm. You know, I can lead jobs better than that guy can maybe. Um, and maybe this is a place for me to jump in and prove my worth. And then um, eventually I was in leadership roles, like, you know, uh, lead CG artist or art director or director eventually and stuff. And my, my, I don't want to say my satisfaction changed. I did though, but I was satisfied with different aspects of the job. Hmm. I think when I was younger, it was really satisfying to hone my craft, get a handle on my hand skills, craftsmanship and everything else. And then, you know, once you get a handle on that, you can kind of do anything really with the right team and the right budget, you can handle any job. And that's no longer like a super exciting challenge to conquer. Hmm. And so the next, like in leadership, it was like the success was dealing with your team, you know, um, managing clients and directors and making cool creative decisions, or at least the best ones you can make given the circumstances and that stuff, you know, I I know we're going to touch on clients because that's certainly part of expectations versus reality, Hmm. but like just navigating those rooms and those conference calls and whatever became a major part of my role. And I was, you know satisfied with that in a very different way than early career kind of stuff. And now I've kind of reset back to like freelance ish illustration and honing my skills in a different part of the industry connected to what I was. It's just like, I've had so many phases and I'm interested in how you guys um, found your satisfaction or like, what was your favorite phase of your career? Huh? I think for, for me, uh, that first job, 38 Studios, I, uh, I came in with a lot of expectations. I think that academia kind of breeds those. Um, and the kind of kid that I was, I was just so obsessed with and fascinated by all of it. So I I think I, I, I had an idea that I knew a lot more than I did um, when I started. It's and a classic so they, 20-something thing, right? What's that? People in their 20s always think they're smarter than they are i think right that's a classic sort of hubris i had such a like 
a series of like pretty rough wake up calls. Some that I look back on and think like that kid deserved it. He really needed to get smacked <laughs> up the head and some where it was like, you know, Oh man, I wish the the world were a different place. <laughs> Cause uh, you know, it's uh it's tough to, to meet the, the road when the rubber, wow, <laughs> my, my syllables are not working right now, but when the rubber meets the road, it can be really hard to come from a place where art school or, you know, life before the, the gig can be all about expression and creativity and what you, what you want to accomplish and the stories you want to tell. And there's no limits on that. And then realizing that it's part of a team and that you're part of a pecking order, you know, that was a big thing. Yeah. It's like, you know, running my mouth off to people like way upstream from me, <laughs> like, here's what we can do to fix this project. And they were like, yeah, who are you? Um, <laughs> but that was a rough time. I can't say that that was my favorite time at all in my career. It was definitely, there were positives. I learned a lot. Um, but the studio along with a lot of East coast gaming kind of collapsed and I had this, awful year where I just, everything went wrong, but it was this simultaneous opportunity to take a leap and try something different. And that's when I decided to freelance. And I think that, uh, even though those early years of freelance, like building clients and stuff like that, that was really tricky and difficult and you have to pay a lot of dues. You know, I think I've already talked about it, but like do those like family dog portraits, you know, like my cousin (laughs) wants a tattoo, you know, kind of whatever. And, um, and yet, like the freedom of getting to move, and 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 also mixed with like the sort of relative naivety of like, it's all new and it's all exciting, and I get to move between publishing and toys and games, and like get my yeah. first little taste of of each little like sub industry. Do a little animation here, do a little, you know, uh, yeah. book work over here, and uh, and that was you know a huge burst of both like learning and. Uh, like I generated a lot. I was just really excited to try and solve all these new problems. So that was probably a favorite, favorite time. How about you, James? I think, I think I'm, I'm now in my favorite time Mm. for sure. Because I feel like I love hearing that. That makes me happy. Thank. Yeah. (laughs) I think, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's not a very good time. Um, I mean, I've, I feel like I've, I've always tried to, you know, as much as much um, I have as much uh, ego as the next guy when it comes to like, you know, you want to do good work, you want to make sure that you work for the best people, you want to do some things that you're proud of. But at the end of the day, like any opportunity that came in that could teach me something, could give me a new client, could give me a new medium. You know, like I've designed stuff for stop motion, some t- like just because of the fact that I'm doing something for stop motion. Or because it's uh, for um, an NGO and I'm, it's for the cost. And it's just taking them. And hmm. and something that, that I never expected I would do is to, like what I'm doing now, I'm directing and writing, producing or directing. And, and I'm the head of a pretty, probably the, other than the film work that I've done, is probably the biggest project that I've been a part of in my life. And I'm leading it, which is insane. Hmm. So hmm. that could only come with all the small fights in my back because I think that's, it it teaches you so many, it gives you so many tools to navigate all the potential problems. Not that this production hasn't had like its moments of like, you know, cry on a corner and, and wish that I was (laughs) someone else, but it definitely like now I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm 
so much more comfortable with in my own skin. I'm comfortable with my work. I'm comfortable with my voice. I'm comfortable with what I can do. I'm comfortable delegating. And I understand sort of the umbrella system that allows us to do our work. Because I think that's the other side of this conversation is that at one point we all have to realize that, you know, this industry is not, that's, doesn't exist to fulfill our dreams. Right. It exists to make money so we can keep, <laughs> you know, creating a product that people can still consume and people can love and get inspired by, right? I think coming in, we, we all tie our, our own taste and our nostalgia for a game with success. Just because a game was popular or I liked it, it must have been a great success. <laughs> Where that's not always the reality. And once you come into, into the industry, you realize that some of the movies that you loved as a kid were total flops and made <laughs> yeah. like, they lost a lot of money. Some yeah. of the games that you you and your friends played for hours and loved, like ruined a whole company. And it's <laughs> that once you start attaching the industry with the, almost those strings that keep it together and you start mm. learning and accepting that that's the reality of it. And if you manage to learn more or less how to navigate through it, then you can pretty much do whatever you want. Like that's if once you sort of accept a few rules. And I think that's, that's why I'm so comfortable now. Like not that I'm a in animation industry savant or anything, but slowly... I'm feeling very comfortable with the idea of like, okay, that's there's a goal. I'm gonna put, I'm gonna give it five years, and I'm gonna trace a little plan, and I think I can do the right moves to try to get to a point where like that, it's a it's a it's a realistic expectation. But there's always that yeah. there has to be a balance between like what you want to achieve, like, and also how is it gonna help anybody, because companies are gonna you know, live or die on taking risks for what you want to do. So you mm -hmm. want to make sure that you are not destroying people's lives because you just want to tell your story. You just want to do this amazing game, <laughs> right. this amazing thing. You have to know that what you're doing is viable because this, you know, people are going to get divorced for your project. So you mm -hmm. better make sure that you're doing something that is worth <laughs> time, right? And people's yeah. lives. So mm. that comes with going through the little, all those little fights. I think sometimes when you are only thinking about the gigantic picture, you, you, you lose a perspective of some of these bits. That's really Ooh, interesting. That hits like a ton of bricks, man. That's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's good. It's good. It's yeah, it's, I think you're exactly right. It feels though to me, like, what are those, what are those things that you need? What are the rules you need to play by? What are the things that you need to kind of concede to? Um, in order to then unlock that level where you can kind of do what you want, you know, cause it seems like those rules I chafe on a lot of, I'd really choke on a few, you know, and I think there's a lot of people in, yeah. uh, that do, you know, for a variety of reasons, you know, whether it's like, you know, there's, there's certain things for me, a lot of it winds up being just purely of this sort of artistic creative nature where it's like, yeah, I know it, I know it lost a lot of money, but it was artistically great. It was, it was, you know, I, I, I believe in it and therefore I think it should exist and I don't care if I lose money as a result of, of chasing it. Um, but I think there are some things even within that space that we're obliged to swallow in the industry that have some like kind of unpleasant or uh, concerning like moral implications, you know, like, 
toy just yeah. says that, you know, girls only buy pink toys, you know, in skirts and that's it. That's all you can design. Um, and so, like, if you're willing to swallow that, then you can make a lot of money in toys and kind of do whatever you want. But if you're not, and I'm not, <laughs> you know, like, and right. I know a lot of people who aren't, um, what do you do with that, you know? Yeah. I, I think navigating those limits, <clears throat> excuse me, I think navigating those limits is such a part of um, just getting anything done. Like, I have this idea of banking goodwill um, with clients or... Uh, well, with anybody you're working with, really, um, but it's, it especially comes into play with clients. Um, you know, they're always going to give you notes that you disagree with. That's always <laughs> going to be true on every produ- production. It's just, you know, things like toy came back and it has to be pink is that's that's hard. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, thankfully, with commercials, I haven't had to deal with that, really. Uh, mm, that no. That's, you know, maybe more like big franchise AAA stuff that I just almost thankfully, as you say that, realize that I have not had to brush up against. But it's like this idea of kind of banking goodwill for me is like, you can't push back against everything. You know, this you're not an auteur, you're working for a client. This is all ultimately has to make money or everybody's out of a job and nothing gets made. So you have to like look at your benefactors and smile and nod when they, you know, tell you stuff that you don't agree with. But that means if you can pick your battles and cooperate and, show that you are open to suggestions. And sometimes those things actually do end up making things better. Like working within challenges and limitations frequently has led to some of the best work we've done. Um, You have to like understand that they have their own needs and you have yours and hopefully you can come to terms together. But like if you push back against everything, they're just going to steamroll you because they hold the purse strings. So if you can say, totally, this is great. You know, like I'll take care of it. Don't worry and smile and, you know, act like you're happy to do it. Then when you push back, it means something, you know, Mm. when you actually have earned their trust and and shown yourself to be easy to work with and pleasant and cool, they will listen because they're, you're not, you know, an opponent, you know, because like if you just push back against everything, now you're the enemy and they, they don't care what you have to say. But if you're like, buddy, buddy, as much as he can. Look, there's going to be bad clients, but that stuff is something that I really had to learn. You know, I mm. think especially, you know, you go back to like the twenties hubris, like <laughs> I was a bit of a purist, a little bit of like an idealist. And, um, I don't think I was too naive, but there's a certain amount of that that just gets like the, the, that naivety goes away. It just has to, like, you just have to realize that like, you realize that everybody's got skin in the game for different reasons. You got to like make everybody happy. Mm. Once you learn where those boundaries are and you can kind of like navigate those waters, you'll be fine. Mostly, you know, you're going to bristle at some of these things. There's going to be terrible jobs. Like my first directing gig was an absolute nightmare. (laughs) It was an absolute (laughs) nightmare. Um, They just were arbitrarily throwing away creative every week for four or five weeks. I think Um, Mm. I can't remember if I spoke about this on the podcast, but we called it fuck us Fridays. (laughs) <laughs> and it was just, it was torture. Um, but I, I felt like I paid all my dues in one job almost. You know, mm-hmm. I, I learned how to like, cool, great. Uh, we'll make it work and come back a few <laughs> days later and go, here's the next thing. And then they're like, yeah, 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 it looks great. And then we'll take it to the client. And the client's like, no, what are you talking about? So it's just like people are coming from so many different sides of this. You got to like try to make the best thing you can within the the you know, limitations you're given. Mm. That was a hard wake up call, man. Like it's just, Mm. but like 
I'm proud of those moments. I think I've handled those moments pretty well. You know, there's definitely times where I haven't handled it as well. Yeah, you know, it's just part of growing up. And um, hopefully, the next time something like that happens, I'll be better educated, better prepared, and better able to um, push back. Maybe I don't know. It's it's hard mm-hmm. to say, but it's like every one of them gets a little bit easier broadly speaking so that you can um you just have that like pool of of experiences to draw from in that way mm. yeah I, I actually just had a a, a small clash with a of really like I, I love my art director so is a really good dude and the way that i was like pr- bristling at like a pretty prosaic note he described as it seems like you're having a spicy reaction to bread. <laughs> that was like perfect. It was like, oh yeah, thank you. <laughs> like you've perfectly encapsulated my overreaction here. Because uh, jeez, what's that? <laughs> no, that's that's like a that's a pop your bubble kind of moment. Like yeah, that, yeah. Like, but it was you a see good yourself objectively, I mean, and you're like, oh crap. From a, from a friend and somebody who knows you well, you know, in a context where you can hear it, it's it's a good thing to hear. It, it can really yeah. set you straight. And um, I think, you know, earning it is huge, you know, like really showing people that you're part of the team, that you're there for them. Because it really is people yeah. all the way down. Um, yeah. The one thing that I've, I've found, one of the things that, you know, relative to my expectations where I thought we would just go in with this, like, I don't know, wanton chase of artistic integrity and kind of arrive at where we, we would arrive at, you know, without this kind of component of, of looking for the, the profitability and watching out for sort of the business end of the whole company and that sort of thing. But what I've I found is that there's still like one of the tools that we have um, to help figure things out together is demonstration, you know, just like you could talk to your blue in the face Um but especially as a designer, like the the power of just putting something onto canvas, you know, and being like, well, here, here's mm-hmm. what I'm thinking, you know. I know it's not what you're asking for, and I'm not going to try and ram it down your throat. I'm going to do what you asked for, too. You know, I'm going to do all the different, mm-hmm. you know, kind of yeah. variations. But I, I want to show you what I think would be, you know, kind of the best solution here. Um, and it's actually like a, there's a decent return on investment, I think, for things like that, where sometimes if you're right, you know, it just kind of, it's going to click with people. People are going to realize like, Oh, huh. Yeah. That does like, that is a cooler solution. Isn't that one of the biggest, almost one of the biggest privileges or I guess, or quirks of this industry, because it's so, Mm. so much of it is subjective and it's gut reaction. Right. So Mm. you can argue with clients from our directors about what the solution, like the direction should be. But if like, like you said, if you take the, sort of the first step and you proactively try to chase a specific vision that you have, you could just be, you know, you could be at the, the fourth in line in the art department. But if your idea clicks with everybody else, there's like an instant moment of like everybody agrees that that's the best solution to this mm. problem. And that doesn't happen in any other industry ever. Like hmm. this is just one of those things where it's in, in that way, once you go into, you know, into, I mean, depending on the studio, of course, but there's a pretty horizontal um, sort of vibe around the office where, like, solutions can come from anyone and, then, mm-hmm. and anywhere. And that, I think, is yeah. pretty special. And I think it's not valued as, as it should sometimes. Good and, ideas are good ideas. Yeah. You know, yeah. we like, it doesn't matter who came up with them. And in fact, frequently, I think some of the best ideas come from people who haven't, uh, 
who aren't self-censoring in the same way. Like, you know, like I said, uh, you know, if, if you're navigating the system and, and trying to avoid conflict with clients and all that stuff, you can often leave good uh, options off the table just because you're like, oh, it seems risky. I don't really want to gamble mm-hmm. on this. I'll go for like the slightly safer thing or whatever it is to my your client, of course. But like, you know, I think a lot of times you sort of avoid conflict and sometimes like that annoying uh, hubristic 20 year old in the corner who's like, questioning everything who can get annoying they can also see things with fresh eyes and and that same questioning attitude is the yeah. very thing that cuts through the bullshit yeah you need a little bit of friction for movement yeah totally to that. it's that like good competition that i really miss hmm. from studio work and, and and in-person work frankly like um just that feeling of like everybody kind of fizzling and, and like vibing off each other and pushing each other and all that stuff was like yeah. really, really fun. Like that was one of the the realities of industry work that I really enjoyed, you know, that collaboration, that sort of like building mm. something bigger than you could make on your own was really exciting, even for commercials. Like I, I, I know a lot of people like look down on commercials or whatever, and I'm here to tell you it's great and it's fun. And it's just as the yeah. talent pool is just as good as film. <laughs> it's underappreciated, but like, there's some huge talent in commercials and I think some of the most interesting animated stuff and, and frankly, live action of all kinds, like you can take really big risks in these small um, mini productions and it's really exciting. And so like just making something great for a short amount of time is so thrilling. And it was really cool to like kind of build a new team every time, you know, you're going to have different freelancers, different specialists. And like that chemistry is really exciting it's disappointing when it goes away, when the production's done, you wish you could like surf it for years, but like, you know, you're going to have a couple months with each team and you're going to enjoy different parts of it. Like there is such a social aspect and such like a complimentary, um, I don't know, artistic creativity kind of like cocktail that gets made on those jobs. That's just like really invigorating and exciting. And the, I, I still draw on aspects of, of those gigs in my personal work and in future work, you just take it with you, you know, it just makes a little mark on your soul. And it's like, that's fun, man. You know, I, I think those mm-hmm. moments are what I really lived for in, in at Elastic and, and in past jobs. It's just, it's yeah. hard to replicate if you're working alone or if you're working freelance, I do kind of miss that stuff. And I look forward to studio work and being in person to hope, hopefully get some of that back. I don't know. Dude, I miss it. Like though. Just, just seeing what the line, the anime, the animation studio, the line, has been putting out just like we've Super all been talented. losing our minds with this Chobani like <laughs> Chobani yogurt. Ugh. Chobani Did you yogurt guys have it on your ads. on your 2021 bingo to be like obsessed with a yogurt commercial. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. Everybody's losing their minds, and and it's but, like okay, but let's recognize real quick that okay that job is awesome. They killed it with that, right? But mm. that's success from top down too. Who would have thought Chobani had the guts to make something like that? That I would have thought was probably a more conservative client than that would have been. Like if I had, yeah. you know, if you could yeah. have mm-hmm. described that commercial to me, like in boards, I would have been like, that's not getting made. Are you kidding me? Of course totally. that's not getting made. That's going to get watered yeah. down to like a family picnic <laughs> in a field. And the fact yeah. that they did something that cool is not just a testament to the artists. Let's, I, I really want to, th- I know this is silly, but like... <laughs> They'll Let's give it, credit yeah. to the entire system. There were so many people who had to kind of stick their neck out and make bold choices, including accountants. That's not that. That's not like a, you know we we all mm. like give shit to the bean counters or whatever. But let's you know what? 
Props to the Bean Counters for taking a risk on something that's very cool, very original, and look at all the attention they're getting. Like, like I am very much pro yogurt right now because of this commercial <laughs> in a way that I wasn't prepared for. And if they had taken fewer risks, that would have been a completely forgettable commercial. But a lot of people made yeah. bold fucking choices and props to everybody. But also, Top okay, down, production PAs, everybody. Like, I'm so thrilled right. with that thing. I, yes, but <laughs> then there's the, you know, any other studio would have probably done a much more cookie cutter vanilla version of this. No commercial. question. Yes. Yes. And you need to so have about, like these guys, yeah. like the studio this, to the this, line and everything else. And, and, and I know them personally, so I know who made those decisions. And it's that those balls have been like, I'm going to take this very simple brief and I'm going to make the coolest sci-fi, like organic future Ghibli style. Like I'm going to, I'm going to bring the best paint, like background painters, the best animators are in mm-hmm. Europe to make this. Yeah. And I'm going to make it for, you know, the same amount that anybody, like any other company would do a much lesser version of yeah. this. And that's like, and, but that's the thing, the standard is getting so much higher. And I think the studios, that healthy competition between studios leads to commercials like this. Yeah. yeah. Our, our best is, work that we ever did as a studio was the stuff that, where we lined up and had a real tight relationship with our, with our agency and, uh, and you know, the client where everybody was just communicating really well, had a lot of trust. Trust is such a huge, huge, huge thing mm-hmm. in that relationship because like you can't do something like that with a, with an agency or client who's like, I give it a shot, I guess, you know, like it, <laughs> they, they really, you need to know that everybody's trying to make you look good every mm. step of the way. And like, if you can get out of your own way, and I, I think one of my, realities of the industry is like clients often get in their own way out of fear out of just doing it the same way they've always done it whatever it is but that the moments where they like give up a little bit of trust and put it in the hands of their studio that they've hired and that they're giving all this time and money to if you can really like give yourself over to that and trust that they want to make you look awesome you're going to get something like that you're going to get something mm. like that Giovanni commercial and it's so admirable it's really really cool yeah mm. i think to to wrap up this episode, I want to talk about what sort of on the corny side of this of this conversation is the best part of the industry, um, which I think is something that you don't necessarily think about when you start coming up, but um, which is the people. I find mm-hmm. that there's very few industries that I can think of that are as inclusive and as open and as generous as the animation sort of art digital art world i think you know <laughs> i wish i wish i could just like wholeheartedly agree that the whole industry is is just this the, the, is the best um but i do think that there are a lot of of problems systemic i don't know cultural you know video games coming up through video games at the time that i did kind of um crunch is a, a major concern and of, one in CG as well. Like that's Crunch crazy. is huge. The boys club of it all is is really Okay, exhausting. guys. I just wanted to end in a positive note. I mean, no, Sorry. no, I'm steering it. No, don't, don't, don't worry. I'm not landing here. I'm not. <laughs> but I think even within that, for me, the, the, the way I see that is that there's a, a system and that there are problems, but there 
um, there really are these wonderful human souls kind of all throughout this process. And when I am tempted to feel cynical and when I'm tempted to feel at odds with the system or when I don't love the decisions that are being made or whatever, it really helps me to focus on the people, both the people on the team and then the people on the other end of this thing, like the people who are going to receive whatever work we create. Yes. They're not going to know, you know, all of the struggles or all of the, you know, hopes and, and maybe sort of, you know, uh, unrealized dreams and stuff like that, that might've kind of gone into, into something. You don't know that the movie that you're seeing at the end is like kind of not the, the, best possible version of the movie in the minds of the people who originally started to to make it but but they love it nonetheless you know and they'll find things to really love about it and the people throughout the process like are just they're really trying to do your best and or their best and and to your point max like they're trying to make you look good and you're trying to make them look good and and Mm -hmm. i think we can do a lot to just lift each other up and kind of watch out for each other and and make sure um that we're kind of looking out for each other's health and well-being and reminding each other that like hey it's there's more to like this whole thing than just how much you clock you know like what your pencil mileage is and and it it touches people's lives and even just the process of being in proximity to other artists and people along the way can Mm -hmm. be an opportunity to just make friendships that have nothing to do with the work you know and everything to do with just being generous and kind to each other And that's the end of the episode. If you want to contact us or reach out in any way, you can do so through Twitter using the handle nextspacepod or by email at hello at negativespacepod.com. The music is by the always amazing Francisco Ojeda. Thank you for spending some time with us. Bye-bye.